0: Hello, movie friends! Welcome back to another episode of Letterboxd Recap, where we go through all of the movies we've been watching this past week, as well as rating the Letterboxd top four of five of you listeners. James, how many movies did you watch this week? I obviously not not as many as you. The excuses are already coming. I have. I'm just saying I don't have as many as you, Anthony. I have seven or six. No, yeah, one, two, three, five, six, 7. We did a ma- marathon. Exactly. We watched five movies in one day. I needed a little break, How do you dude. not have 16? I needed a break. I watched 15 movies this past I week. know you probably did. You know, when I watch five movies in a 17-hour period, I need to, you know, relax, maybe... <laughs> Maybe not watch a movie for some day. We had a lot of work to do this weekend, and, you know, I was grinding and going on runs and going to the gym. Weekend? And, we. And I, what about the whole week? I did other... Where were you? I was doing other things, man. James is a busy bee. He's a busy bee. I did have a few movies in the background, but I never finished them, but we could talk about those. <laughs> like yeah, had, yeah, you sure. While I was doing a bunch of editing, I had Dune and Chamber of Secrets on in the background. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> does that even count as a watch, those? Not, not at the same time, everybody. If it's just in your desktop background yeah. behind Premiere Pro, does it count as I a watch? I didn't finish them. Exactly. Okay. While I was doing graphics and stuff like that. All right. All right, all right. Now let's get into uh, the first one I watched this week. It was Scream with our discorders. It was a lot of fun. And I love Scream. Four and a half stars. And I wrote the best slasher movie ever. I think this is the the king of slashers. Ghostface is awesome in this. It really comes down to like, yes, he gets a little silly here and there and he's terrible at stabbing certain people like Sydney, But... He fucks up a lot of other characters, especially the opening, especially some of the other characters in the first half of this film. There are amazing deaths. Some of the best deaths in slasher history are in Scream. I think Wes Craven made the like the a perfect slasher movie. It's really fantastic. I forgot that I watched Scream as well with everyone on Discord, and that was on the 25th that we watched. 25th? That? Yeah, so okay, yeah. I'm adding it now. I gave Scream four and a half stars. It's my favorite slasher movie of all time. And the thing with Scream is, for example, I was at the gym the other day on on Halloween. You go actually. to the gym? <laughs> a few times a, uh, a month. At, uh, on TV at the gym, I think it was TNT, Scream was playing. Mm-hmm. This is a timeless horror movie. Of all the horror movies made the last 50 years, Scream is playing on major network TVs on Halloween Day because it's an all-timer. It will always be playing on ne- major network television and streaming channels on, holiday- on Halloween Day. It's epic. It's legendary. It has... We've talked about it so much on the show. We've done like three Scream episodes. It's probably the horror film we've talked most on. Maybe. In that, terms of episodes. That was shining, yeah. probably. But t- yeah, we've done Scream rankings. We did Scream the original. Yeah. did the entire franchise. I adore the characters. Sydney's my favorite Scream queen of all time as well. Sydney Prescott is awesome. But Ghostface Killer is legendary and probably the most iconic and well-known slasher ever, probably, especially this century. Still on top right now. I think too. so. I think Still he's got top. the edge over Michael, Myles, my- Michael Myers. Yeah. Unless they make a good Michael Myers movie. We'll see. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll see about that. Don't hold your breath on that. <laughs> Let's get into the Letterboxd top four ratings of five of our listeners. First up, we have Kalem. Caleb. Caleb. Caleb, JH10, on Letterboxd. His bio says, I am inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> Agent Smith. And then it was stolen by Thanos. No, Thanos, yeah. Oh, okay. So, no, no. Smith says, it is inevitable. And then Thanos says, I am inevitable. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Inevitability, Mr. Anderson. So, Kalem has. That's the sound of your death. Avengers Infinity War. By far the best Avengers movie, I would say. It's great. I, yeah, yeah probably for Avengers movies, but not MCU, yeah. Yeah, it's it's the, the cream of the crop. Yeah. It's, it's chef's kiss. Best pacing. Hot fuzz. <laughs> yes. Great, great pick. Clean then, up on f- I'm sorry, that was Michael Scar. <laughs> Playtime's over. Did you really? <laughs> then we have About Time, a really great sci-fi romance. I like that pick. Yeah, it's great. And then we have the big daddy of the year, Oppenheimer. Oh yeah, number one. Number one. And number four. I always do one to four. Okay, gotcha. Re releasing on IMAX in November, everybody. November third, starting. So is that today? Yeah. Yes. And then so. recently, Caleb has watched The Black Phone, four stars, Hereditary, five stars, Once Upon a Studio, the Disney short documentary, and then Ready or Not, four stars. Ready or Not's great. Great poster selections, by the way, Caleb. All right. Next up in our Letterbox Top Four from some fans, we have one second. Sorry. Sorry. Bear with me. Bear we're, with me. We're bearing with you as best okay, we can, Anthony. Got we're sick of it. We got Nate. <laughs> Nate's photo is a pit bull wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> like a Yankees a hat. Put a Red Sox hat on that pit bull. Put a Red Sox hat on him. Yankees suck. <laughs> so Nate has Leon, the professional, at number one. Amazing. Aliens. Oh, Aliens. I like that. Zzz. I like that. Amazing movie. Uh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, we, saw, we had that a couple of weeks ago, I think. Someone brought that up. Yeah, and I watched it a couple of weeks ago. Really, really great movie. Amazing music. And then... Another film shot by Roger Deakins, Shawshank Redemption. Great picks. One of his uh, early classics. I like your taste. Man. And Nate recently has watched, ooh, great stuff, Pulp Fiction, five stars, Ex Machina, four stars, Strange Days, the Catherine Bigelow movie, awesome movie, four and a half stars, and then Total Recall. Bangers. Nothing but bangers for Nate. Yeah, he's in a sci-fi fix. I like it. I lo- I mean, I'm craving sci-fi. I might, I might do a bunch of sci-fi this weekend. Y'all know see. how much I love Ex Machina. Next up, almost as much as Anthony loved men, I loved men. Same director, yes. <laughs> I loved it so much that I didn't do an episode on it. <laughs> <That's> how much <laughs> we loved it? All right, next We up. pretended like we didn't see it. <laughs> just, I haven't heard of that one. We were real quiet when Men came out. I like the title, <laughs> the title credit with the apples. Well, the uh, logo, the A twenty four logo. Yeah. I don't even think that's in the movie though. No, No, it's just the trailer. They just do that with their trailers. It's great stuff. It's great. Great stuff. Like the A24 for the Priscilla rug, the carpet. Yeah. All right, next up we got Hunter. Hunter has, all the way from Detroit. Hunter. La La Land at number one. Nice, nice. Common pick. You're going to like this one. Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I just got all excited. (laughs) (laughs) Then we have one of the greatest action movies ever made. Mission Impossible Fallout. Hell yes. Hell yes. Incredible movie. Great poster, yeah, I think too. Anthony's speaking facts, too. I love this red... It's like a red animated poster. It's really cool. awesome. Yeah. It's fucking badass. That's like the ones we got when we saw Dead Reckoning Part 1. Similar, yeah. Similar, yeah. It's that same... They had a whole series done of those. It was the Dolby poster. Yeah, they, yeah, they did every yeah. movie in that style. It's really cool. Then we have The Nice Guys. Love it! Great pick. Awesome. Love. Also, great poster selection for The Nice Guys. It's like a... Painted poster style, you cool. know. Like the Indiana Jones yeah. classic, yeah. And then recently, Hunter has watched They Clone Tyrone, Oppenheimer, Graham Budapest, and then The Rundown. Oh, the Wayne Rundown John- <laughs> The Rundown's awesome. <laughs> Sean William right? Scott, too. Yeah, that's a fun movie. <laughs> um Yeah, Christopher Watkins, the villain. Is he oh my god, I forgot about Rosario that. Dawson. And his weapons a two by four, right? No, that's standing tall. Oh, sorry. It's- like the same movie. No, it's not. <laughs> totally <It's> <laughs> different movies. Oh my god. Is this the one with the casino? Or is that standing Best tall? Standing Tall. Okay. Yeah. I think it's called Standing Tall. Oh, the rundown he's going to get Sean It's Liam in Scott. like um the Central American jungle area. It's like it's like talented Mr. Ripley, except just an action buddy. Yeah, comedy. he's hunting down a rich guy's son, yeah. Sean William Scott. Uh walk walking tall or standing walking tall. Walking tall, sorry. Yeah, walking tall. It's a remake, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of um, movie the movie came out in the seventies, I think. Of running short, <laughs> it was the original running short. It was a big movie for Dwayne. walking tall, yes. Yeah, post WWF WWE post wrestling, really trying to be a leading man in, yeah. in Hollywood, and he nailed it. Yes, yeah, so he had the walk. He had walking tall, then the rundown came out. I believe was the order. And look at him now, biggest star on the planet. Look at you go, fifty million per movie. <laughs> 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 Although I would really like to see him do uh, more, like stripped-down, smaller-scale action movies. You know what I would love The Rock to do? I mean, Dwayne to do. If he made a movie... They made a movie similar to The Wrestler, but he's The Rock mm-hmm. in sort of like a drama of post-wrestling or, like, finishing up his wrestling career as The Rock in the movie. Playing like. himself? Yeah, play, but, like, meta. Uh-huh. Playing himself as The Rock in the movie. Like a comedy? Sort of like a meta-dramedy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that would be cool. Like, if The Rock... Was a fiction, obviously a fictional character that he created, but uh-huh. he make a movie about The Rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. You, know, you guy in contact with his agent. I'll, I'll let him know. Yeah. But it's, it's right, a, right I mean, wrestling's hot, and I think Iron Claw is going to be really well received. So hot right now. Yeah, it's amazing how popular wrestling still is. All right, next up we got Lucas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? I have a crush on Keegan Castile. Every great film should be should seem new every time you see it. Robert Ebert quote. Next, okay, so you no, say Robert Ebert? Yeah, Robert Ebert, Roger Ebert, right? Roger. I think it's yeah, whatever, whoever it is. I thought you said Robert for a second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talking about the critic? Yes. Yeah, it's Roger. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Lucas. You're gonna have to change that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you wrote Robert Ebert? Yeah. Maybe Robert Robert Ebert is a person. Yeah, let me check. Let me see if Robert Ebert is a person. But if you mean the critic, it's Roger. Yeah. (laughs) Fact checked. All right, we got Prisoners, Alzheimer, The Batman, The Shining, and then Princess Mononoke. Oh, I love this list. My favorite Ghibli movie. I love this list. You're going to watch... Princess Mononoke. I saw it many years ago, uh-huh. um, but I haven't seen it since I've been a, an adult. Oh, but cool. I do want to rewatch it. Yeah, you should rewatch it. And I, like the last time I watched a, a Miyazaki film, was probably t- uh, Totoro. But yeah, I gotta get back into Miyazaki. Isn't it Miyazaki? Miyazaki Miyazaki Miyazaki? Sorry, I'm a dumb American. I you are. I you pronounce are. names wrong. <laughs> Lucas recently especially has watched, especially anime. <laughs> Lucas recently has watched Mission Impossible. Dead Reckoning Part 1, four stars. Barbie, five stars. Oppenheimer, five stars. And then Barbie again, five stars. He definitely sent this in July 2023. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for sending it in, Lucas. Then we have number five today, Gravitron. Kayleen Hagen. Gravitron. Gravitron that's a tra- badass yeah. name. <laughs> and then... um, No ca- underscores of nothing? Nothing. That's badass. They got ass. it. They got it. And then... um. <laughs> Gravitron! <laughs> like if, if they ever got interviewed on Letterbox what's your Letterbox username Gravitron. He, I mean he must have got he must have made this early uh, but his profile photo is baby Yoda wearing a hoodie with a basketball <laughs> That's amazing <laughs> Oh my god it's so funny All right we got for his top 4 Silence Mars Cresci amazing pick What a picture The Incredibles Top-tier superhero movie, Absolutely. in my opinion. Top 10. Then we got The Truman Show. Oh, my gosh. One of the best films from the 90s. Is that the first time that's been on a top four list? No, we've seen a bunch. Yeah, we've seen a bunch. Great pick. And then La La Land to bookend this top five, top I think, four. I think La La Land is now the most common that we get. I would get. Say La, yeah. La La Land yeah, is up common. there. It's yeah. like that, Interstellar. La La Land and Interstellar. Yeah. It's quite a few. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for sending those in, everybody. We really appreciate you tuning in and also sharing your love of movies with us now if you want to send in your top four all you gotta do is screenshot it and dm it to us on instagram and we will read it on this episode on this podcast within eight years yeah <laughs> we have quite a few to get to so by the time we get to yours it'll probably still be july 2023 that yeah. you saw barbenheimer <laughs> now real quick don't forget that midnight ruin is on letterbox if you want to watch it and leave a rating for midnight ruin go ahead we'd really appreciate that and also patreon Ad-free episodes are available for this episode as well as every other episode that we post. We have a complete ad-free experience on Patreon now for the $5 tiers and up. So if you'd like to listen to all of our episodes without any ads whatsoever, join our Patreon tier at the $5 tier and you can listen to everything ad-free. Now, let's get into what we've been watching now. Anthony's got thirteen left. I'll four. go. I'll go six. Six to one. Six to one. Six yeah, six, it should be a, a fair ratio. I have. I have seven left. <laughs> Anthony has fourteen left. Yeah, this is my most ever, man. We did the streamathon, which added five to my. Yeah, well, watches, I figured. You but were, I still had eleven. It's I, crazy that you weren't movied out. I was a bit movied out. I never get movied out, man. I know, but like, <laughs> fuck. All right, next up, I have the Village, which I gave four stars, and I wrote, "This is M Night's best directed film." and shocked everybody with its excellent twist on the initial release. James Newton Howard's remarkable score helps carry the film with Bryce Dallas Howard's debut performance. The film explores the themes of fear and indoctrination in such an interesting way. I really like this movie. This could be, I mean, this is M. Night's second best film. It's still solid. It still holds up, even knowing that it's one of those movies where sometimes when you know the twist, it kind of is not that great on a rewatch. But this movie's still very good on a rewatch. the thing with the twist, and I agree completely. It's still one of my favorite M Night movies, and it's a great concept for a movie. And it blew my freaking hair back when it, when it happened—the big twist in the third act. However, I will say I'm not going to spoil anything. But there's a sequence where not, the last time I watched it, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard plays a blind girl, and then she's has to leave her village to try to find medicine at a different village in the distance, uh, away from their little community that they've created, and. She's obviously—the story revolves around these monsters that surround this old village, right? Mm -hmm. And in the movie, she's traversing the wilderness surrounded by these scary monsters. And then I watched the movie, I'm like, she—well, I I, I guess I don't (laughs) want to spoil it, but I guess it's for the audience. He's scaring the audience versus scaring Bryce Dallas Howard too much with the monsters, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Because if you know the twist—I'm sure everyone knows the twist— but just in case someone hasn't seen the movie, if you know the twist, there's no point in them in these monsters being very scary to this blind girl. It's for the audience. I know. That's what I mean. Yeah. So it, it gets me where it's like kind of he's like mess. he's scaring the audience yeah. versus the characters. So that's kind of like a little bit of a manipulation for manipulation for me on rewatches. The first watch is great, but then it's like, oh, he's just manipulating the audience. Well, yeah, I mean... If but that makes sense. That's the whole point. is to scare the audience. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. But I'm just mean for rewatches... So it, you hate it. It brings my rewatch value down. I still uh-huh. like this movie a lot. If that makes... You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like, why would they... Monsters be doing it like I that? I know what you mean, but I disagree. I think it works. And, and I think it works on rewatches. Hey, man. No, yeah. agree to disagree. But it's a great movie. what's up. <laughs> <laughs> if you seen the twist, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Next up, James hates uh, The Village. I like The the Village village a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We have Gattaca, which I hadn't seen for a while. Oh my god, fuck yeah. I was in the mood for some sci-fi. Andrew Nichols' film came out in 1997, and I gave it four stars, and I wrote a brilliant take on science fiction with a fun blend of classic film noir. Gattaca poses some fascinating ideas within genetics and social hierarchies. It's a very smart film. Um, it does kind of fall flat a little bit in the second half. However, it's got a f- really fantastic first hour. Ethan Hawke's phenomenal. Jude Law's great. Uh, it could have used a little bit more Uma Thurman, I think. Um, but I love the movie. It's got a great style, and it's got a bubble in his throat. <laughs> a little too but much. A little too much style, where um, it's very. It draws heavily from classic film noir, and it, it kind of takes you out of it because it's too too much. Like all of the. Every cop wears the trench coat and fedora. It's like it's like the movie The Adjustment Bureau, where it's like I mean, not every cop's gonna wear the same outfit, especially if they're detectives. So things like that, and then um, the NASA headquarters just is just a little too stylized. However, that being said, it's really fantastic. It's it's incredibly smart, uh, very razor sharp script. Um, but Ethan Hawke really carries this film. It's great. It's a terrific science fiction film, and I, I hope people, if you've never seen Gattaca, check it out ASAP. It's really terrific, and it's very relevant today, especially with genetic manipulation. And basically as the concept of the film. There's two classes of human beings now. It's no longer like race. It's all basically, are you this superior genetically enhanced human or a past human, a, a biological Organic human, you know, and well, a uh, natural birth human. Yeah, natural, yeah. natural birth human. Yeah. Versus, Vers- they're all organic. Versus, but yeah. man- versus manipulated in a lab. Yeah, where you can alter your babies and your fetuses' genetic coding and your embryo's coding for you can select if you want a boy or a girl. You can select if you want enhanced abilities for strength and agility and sports and heights, height, height enhanced intellect, yeah. intellect. So obviously, you want to pick everything. But yeah. <laughs> but then there's a new hierarchy of human class yes. and classism of. Yes. Biologi- like, natural birth versus manipulated birth. Mm-hmm. And it's terrific because the lead character, Ethan Hawke, is a natural birth, but he dreams to go to space. In order to do that, he has to pose as an enhanced biological human. Yeah. Jude Law is really good. Yeah. Jude Law is such a great underrated actor. He's, he's such a scene stealer and everything. Him and Ethan's chemistry is yeah. off the charts, too, in this yeah, movie. They're great together. I really love Gattaca. Yeah. I would give it four and a half stars. Well... It's not about your letterbox. Ratings. This is my letterbox. <laughs> well, rating. this is letterbox recap. We can discuss Anthony. It's not that you go and only you get to talk about the movie. Moving on to my next movie, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Should I do one now? Yeah, go for All it. All right, I'll do one. I guess so. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> these like seven movies deep, we didn't actually mean six to one. My next watch of the week was a dud. It was Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh. I went to the theater to see this film, and my review is two stars. BORING! <laughs> All in caps. <laughs> so, is it really that, like, is it that boring? It's pretty boring. I, I was falling asleep several times in the film. I'm, what I gather from the trailer is, like, what the souls of these kids uh, embody the each animatronic thing. And exactly, then, yeah. They what's could their, s- what, what do they want? They want another kid to join them? They want to, so Josh Hutcherson... Plays the older brother of this young girl. They want the girl to be. Oh, I thought he was her dad. No, 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 oh. it's the older brother. So they want to bring her and create her and to turn her into one of the animatronics as well. Uh-huh. And I've never played the video game, and I know that this movie is obviously geared to a younger audience. But I didn't realize based off the trailer that it wasn't really a horror movie per se. I what I, I respect Blumhouse a lot for what they're doing with their horror movies lately, with Megan specifically, and with Five Nights at Freddy's. They're devoid of scares and gore, really. Megan has a little more gore than Five Nights at Freddy's, but not a month, not a ton, and they did that our release, but that barely added anything. And they're not great movies for horror fans or, or even adults, per se. However, I respect the hell out of them for really tapping into an audience that hadn't been hit with horror for a while, or ever, really, with this demographic of kids maybe 10 to 15 where they have a thirst for horror movies but you don't want to scare them too much you can't present them with too much gore Keep you don't want to entertain them out. exactly yeah. so they've sort of created this new sort of horror genre i would say for 10 to 15 year olds where they can sell sell them or give them a horror movie that's scary to them mm-hmm. doesn't freak them out too much but they really like it because this movie grossed 130 million million dollars opening weekend they're clearly doing something right megan was a hit that almost made 200 million dollars Yeah, 180, yeah. Both PG-13, both lacking in real scares and gore. I mean, Megan's not child's play at all. Not even close. But it's entertaining, and this was entertaining to an extent. (laughs) They're great with social media because Megan, remember the dance that went viral? Yeah, that movie went viral before it even got released. And then this went viral on TikTok, I respect Blumhouse for really knowing what audiences want and what a specific demographic and audience wants, and they are catering their movies to them. For these PG-13 horror films, Mm -hmm. they're not great for us, obviously. I didn't really enjoy the film at all. I chuckled a couple times. The scares weren't—it wasn't scary at all. However, I I think they know exactly what they're doing. And I respect the hell out of it. And kudos to Blumhouse for for making massive hits with these films because of all the studios right now, they are hurting the least. They are caking the last two years, last year and a half. They're making bank, dude. Great year. So respect to Blumhouse for that. I didn't love the movie. I didn't like it really at all. What was your rating? Two. Two? Now. Josh Hutcherson makes the movie watchable. It's Hutchinson. I thought it was Hutcherson. It's Hutcherson. No, it's Josh. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Is it? Come on, man. You ain't no PETA stance. Hutcherson, bro. <laughs> PETA! PETA! You ain't no PETA fan. Josh Hutcherson really ca- Holy shit, it is Hutcherson. He carries the movie, and he acts circles around everybody else. I'm glad he got another hit. He needed this. I mean, yeah. he's obviously going to be in the sequel. Matthew Lillard, Lillard's really good in this, too. But the rest of the cast is just very mm-hmm. mediocre. And the characters are trash, really. And the storylines outside of the outside of the in and the, fr- the whole Five Nights at Freddy's, the little pizza place, uh-huh. Fosbear's pizza place. It's just not good. It's almost borderline Renfield bad storylines. <laughs> but it's just not a good movie for, I think, just us. Yeah, it was age. made for us. Exactly, yeah. but I, th- I thought it was made for everyone. The marketing was misleading. But I man, it was they Ill. are doing something right. Yeah. Blumhouse is doing something right. So respect there. All right, moving on to a great film, a new release, David Fincher's The Killer. Hell yeah! We saw this at Alamo Drafthouse, really fantastic theater. I gave this four and a half stars, and I wrote the best fight scene in years. The Killer puts you into the perspective of a hitman experiencing both the exciting and the mundane aspects to the unique profession the direction is perfect Fastbender is excellent and the film is a breath of fresh air in the genre on top of that the team crafted the most exciting fight i've seen on screen in years p.s fans of the smiths will love this <laughs> yeah this movie's very connected to 500 days of summer you'd be surprised <laughs> and i know y'all have been dying to see a new fincher movie in theaters he made mank back in 2020 that got released during lockdown it was streaming only on netflix But if you have the opportunity to see this film in theaters, definitely do it if you have the limited release geographical location where they're doing it. It's not everywhere, but you're going to love this, everybody. This is the tone and aesthetic of Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl. It's got great wit, great comedy. You're going to laugh your ass off during this movie. Fassbender is perfectly cast, and I think that... Fincher is just a special director. Obviously, he's so precise with his filmmaking. He's a goddamn surgeon, and this movie was excellent. And like Anthony said, literally the best fight scene I've seen in two, three years, hands down, on the big screen. It's awesome. It's fun. The music's great. The character of the killer is just great. Like Anthony said, he puts you in the shoes like you've never been before with an assassin. It's almost like why has no director ever been able to do it like this before? It's he like what? It's fascinating. He's he's Fincher finds more interest in. The boring aspects to the job than the uh exciting aspects yeah. of the job of the waiting of the tracing of the tracking of the voyeuristic nature of being hitman and it's not about action there's only there's really only one action scene but man does that fucking scene work and my god best fight i've seen in years and what he does so well is bringing the audience into our reality in terms of Adding So much product placement in this film where people might think he's doing it to sell the movie or selling getting a budget when they didn't do that at all. I mean, it's Netflix. They don't need a budget from anybody. There's a bunch of product placement, but he's really putting you in the real world because our life is full of products and Amazon and going to pick up products and yeah. getting shipment the next day and Starbucks is in there. It's it's great. It wouldn't and, make sense if he just like went to a store and bought these products that and it wasn't Amazon. And when it comes to directing, David Fincher has to be one of the most confident filmmakers out there. He oh, absolutely yeah. has to do because the way he tells this story, it takes cojones. The way he, the first thirty minutes of this movie is pretty brave way to, to make yeah. a movie. You know it wasn't what I, mean, what I was expecting? Not a lot of yeah. studios would okay this the way he did it. But then the And then it's just awesome. It's really well-paced, and Fastbender's perfect. 100%. Check it, it out on November 10th when it hits Netflix. It will be dropping an episode very soon oh, in November. Yeah. On oh, it. yeah, big time. Next up, I watched a Sam Raimi movie, The Gift, which came out in 2000. He made before Spider-Man. Three-and-a-half star rating. This star is Cate Blanchett. I hadn't seen it in years, and I wanted to put it back on just because I was in a spooky season mood. Also co-stars Giovanni Ribisi, Keanu Reeves, Katie Holmes, Greg Kinnear, and Hilary Swank. Kate uh, Blanchett carries the film. She plays a medium psychic who ends up helping police with a murder investigation. However, she ends up finding out that the murder may come closer to home than she was expecting. Um, it's really cool. There's some creative filmmaking. Um, it's solid, a 7 out of 10. Um, but it's a fun, just like casual horror movie. Um, great acting, too. And Kate C- Blanchett. I mean, I could watch her read phone books (laughs) and how it would be entertained. You know, she's just so good at it. She is. Her accents. Like, I don't know how. She's so good at accents. It's incredible. Dude, when I saw Tar, it blew blew me away. Yeah. She's so good. Next up, I watched Tomorrow Never Dies, which I gave three and a half stars. And I wrote, Pierce was such a great Bond. He's amazing. Uh, Michelle Yeoh co-stars in this film, and she absolutely rocks the chain off the door. She's fantastic in the action, and she's just she's a star. She was a huge star in China before she co- st- co-starred in this film and really showed America who she was. Uh, but Pierce, in a lot of ways, was a perfect Bond. The script kind of is kind of lame. He gets done he gets done under by bad stories from his Bond movies. Um, the villain of this movie is a is a media um, mogul who's trying to basically start wars to be able to control the media and. And become very wealthy. Jonathan Price plays the villain, pretty good. But like, like and like all of Pierce Brosnan's Bond movies, the the villains all kind of sucked, except for Sean Bean. Yeah, um, it's a it's a pretty good time. There's some fun action. Pierce absolutely rocks it. He's so charming and charismatic, and in a lot of ways, just like encompasses so many of the uh, personality traits of Bond. Um, there's a lot of sex jokes. And... <laughs> Just some some cringy little misogyny here and there, so it's not for the faith of heart. However, it's pretty funny when you look at it in context, but it's all around, it's a solid movie. A three and a half out of five. Yeah, and we actually are dropping an episode on Bond, oh, Daniel yeah. Craig's James Bond, next week, so stay tuned for that. We're going over his era and his run as James Bond in all of his movies, so it's going to be a terrific breakdown. Great episode, by the way. I just edited it. All right, next up. We're going to get into, for me, this is when we started our, we did an incredible Twitch watch party on uh, October 29th on Sunday Mm -hmm. for 12 hours. We watched horror movies with a bunch of people. (laughs) (laughs) It was our first Twitch stream. So we can do these all together. Yeah, so we'll go. The first one we watched was Constantine. We did an episode on this because we love Constantine. This movie still slaps four and a half stars for me. I love this film and I really really hope that a sequel gets made. Right now I guess Francis Lawrence says he's he's pitching ideas and they're batting around concepts for what to do with a Constantine sequel and it's one of those things where you know you we wish it could have happened sooner but I'm glad that it's actually potentially really going to get green lights and I wonder what they'll do because the first film's really terrific but what what kinds of ideas are they going to explore afterwards? The filmmaking is exceptional in this movie. The aesthetics are great. And we were doing an episode on V for Vendetta on Monday, and and that year was insane. We got 2005, Batman Begins, V for Vendetta, Constantine, as well as—what was the other big comic book movie? Uh, uh, You made a tweet. Sin City. Sin City. What a year for comic book films. And they weren't all just straight-up superheroes with superpowers. We have great characters, and and Constantine's terrific. Keanu's perfect. Even though he doesn't look like Constantine in the graphic novels, he's the best person for the role. He's awesome. I gave it four stars, and it is. I wrote, I can't believe we got Constantine V for Vendetta and Batman Begins in the same year. And I didn't realize Sin City came out when I wrote this. It's also just, you know, for comic book films, this is one of the most artistic looking, really incredible cinematography and in production design. I love the colors. Um, really just incredible, inca- incredible camera work. And it's something you don't see that often in- anymore, this kind of quality of artistic cinematography in a comic book movie. Every shot has so much meaning and purpose and art, art yeah. artistry. And the production design is stellar. And it looks film. fantastic. The sets are huge. Yeah. And, hardly any green screen hardly but plenty of cgi but it takes a while to really get to these big cgi set pieces but just so much practical filmmaking Mm -hmm. i forgot that this is what we were getting out of comic movies yeah even v for vendetta yeah massive sets tons of great practical filmmaking yeah but Constantine just looks great man it's great movie all right next up we watched a classic the invasion of the invasion of the body snatchers from 1978 the first remake This is a four and a half star rating for me, and I just wrote goaded. Yeah, I put four and a half stars too. It's an amazing movie. Uh, The soundtrack, the the musical score is just just fantastic. Sound design too. Uh, Sound design is excellent. The practical effects look fantastic. The special effects are amazing. The cast is great. This is just like, it's one of those horror movies where you're like, oh, I can see so many tropes and so many cliches that we're used to now but they a lot a lot of them started in a movie like this in a, a few other se- several other classic horror films like they started like these trends of kinds of scenes kinds of characters kinds of interactions that In situations that just get done over and over again. But this is like one of the originals. It's one of the best alien movies ever made. and Mm -hmm. It's got to be one of the best body swap movies of all time. If not the best body swap movie. Donald Sutherland, Jeff Goldblum, Leonard Nimoy, Brooke Adams. They are all sensational in this film. So well made. So well acted. And the building of suspense is just so gradual and slow until it just explodes in the last 15 minutes. Oh yeah. It's a perfect, perfect movie really. I love it. It's really great. Man. And it's got... One of the best endings of all time, not Absolutely. just in the horror genre, but of all time in cinema. The last five minutes. Goodness. Man. Goodness. Goodness gracious. What a twist. What a twist. All right, next up. Oh, we got Doom. F- Doom. Not Dune. Doom <laughs> with an M. <laughs> uh, starring Dwayne Johnson, Carl Urban, and Rosamund Pike. This movie, I remember seeing it as a kid. It came out in 2005. We were fans of the video game, so we watched it. And I remember really enjoying it, but I don't think I've watched Doom in over 10 years. At least. Because it's just least. like, yeah, it's just one of those movies that it's not really well received by anyone. However, I will say, it's not that bad. I gave it a three star rating, and I wrote, pretty good. Not that bad. With the <laughs> arms up emoji. I gave it three stars, too. It's, I mean,. It knows it, what it is, yeah, yeah. and it accomplishes yeah, that. It's yeah. a cheesy action movie with monsters and zombies on, a, on with Mars. With rock music playing. Yeah, it, it's, it has very much Resident Evil aesthetic and vibes from that uh-huh. original movie, and it feels like that as well. Some decent comedy. The action scenes are solid. Dwayne's pretty great as the, as the lead, and this was, again, kind of like still uh, standing tall. Walking tall. <laughs> Walking tall. <laughs> Getting ready to be an, a lead in Hollywood. He's Carl- also... a Pretty small in this compared to nowadays. Even though he's he's massive in this movie, but he's skinny as fuck compared to who he, what he is now. I, he looks like he has an extra 60 pounds now. At least. Yeah. At least. I he, was like, man, he's, he's, he's looking pretty skinny here. He's jacked in this movie, but he looks anorexic almost. Like, that's how thin he looks compared to the, he's mon- a monster, the now. monster he is yeah. now. and But, I mean, he dropped a lot of weight and cut clearly after doing walking tall and being the rock for this movie maybe that's what hollywood wanted him to be at the time to be leaner yeah that's actually what happened his um he had a meeting with his management and agent t- the whole team that was representing him i think it was caa or, or wme and they said no more wrestling they said you need to get skinnier cause if you want to be an action star in holly and you want to be a hollywood actor you can't be this big i'm and like so he you cut. Ta- it's, have you ever seen a yeah. Schwarzenegger movie well, I mean, it was two. It was the two thousands. It I was guess. things were changing. I guess they were really into lean, leanness. Lean, it, it was. That was trending. Yeah, and so he actually lost a lot of weight and trimmed up. He looks and, so hungry. Yeah, he looks. Yeah, that's why he looks smaller in these. And now he looks like bigger a than ever. He's, a, he's literally a bull, <laughs> but he's, he's pretty good in the lead. He's, he's he does a solid job. Carl Urban's well, great. Carl Urban's probably the lead of this movie. Yeah, and Carl Urban's awesome, and obviously. Carl has got great genetics, just a fucking good-looking guy. But um, <laughs> Carl Urban, he's just all over the place in the early 2000s and really good movies that didn't really turn out terrifically. I mean, I love Dread. That movie was awesome. What was that, 2010, 2009, something like 2012? is Isn't that late? We had this debate the other day. <laughs> you were like, it came out a few years after Doom, and I was like, no, it didn't. Never I, mind. I, said it came, I was like, 2010. I mean, Lord of the Rings... And then this, and Star Trek. he's He's been all over Hollywood, and, and I, I love that he's finally got the big lead role with the boys. Oh, yeah. And Carl Urban's super, super cool in this movie. Roseman Pike's he's awesome. He's cool dude. He's a cool dude, but <laughs> the monster practical effects are excellent. Really They're good. not CGI. Yeah. There's no CGI monsters in this. Looks good. It's all just like giant monster suits. Yeah. It's fucking great. I think it looks really good. I think um, is it, the movie is pretty cheesy and cringe at times, but sometimes it wo- the horror works, and sometimes... You know the the practical effects really work, and if it was CGI, it would not hold up well no way. at all. Especially in two thousand five, it only holds budget. up well because it's all practical. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually solid when it comes to the monster design. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a pretty good movie. I think they, I think they knocked it out of the park, pal. I'm taking all the Anthony's lines today. <laughs> Next up, we have a, a modern classic. We watched Train to Busan, which came out in two thousand sixteen. I gave this four and a half stars, and I wrote peak zombie movie. What'd you give it? I gave it four and a half stars as well. The only zombie movie to make me cry. Three times. I it's cried emotional. three times. And this is the second time I've seen this movie. And the first time I saw this movie, I was so surprised and I loved it. And I was so happy to watch it with so many people on Twitch. Mm-hmm. And the thing with Twitch is we were very limited on what we could watch for streaming because you have to connect to Amazon Prime and you have to be Amazon Prime licensed films. And so we were very fortunate to have the opportunity to watch Train to Busan. We introduced it to a lot of people I'd never seen it before it's awesome. It hits really great emotional beats. It's uh, obviously a zombie movie that takes place on a high speed train, yes. traveling through South Korea from different cities. However, at the heart of it, it's a story about family. It's about fatherhood. Family. About family. It's about, yeah, family. <laughs> it's, about <laughs> it's about sacrifice, and it's actually got a great emotional core. And as well as that, we have just a new kind of version of a zombie movie. You know, taking place on a train is just a great idea, as well as bringing great physical acting to zombies that we really hadn't seen done so well since 28 Days Later, I'd say. World War Z. A lot of World War Z's CGI, though. There's a lot of CGI in World I'll War give, Z. Like, that's my one thing with CG- with World War Z. It also has great um, connections between the desperation for survival and how humans become monstrous to protect themselves. And we see that. There's a great, in the third act, where the heroes are trying to break into the, the, good comp- the uh, safe compartment while the big guys holding the zombies back in the other end, and then the humans already in the good compartment are holding back the hu- or trying to stop the humans from getting into their compartment. So it's a it's a it's connection. A it's a mirror. Yeah, it's a perfect mirror. Um, although it's almost a five star movie. Almost. But there's two problems. There's the first problem, and it's just minor, but like it's just I can't give it five stars because of this. How once they get into the compartment, the safe compartment, the people who are there, they're like, get out of here, get out of here. And they they let the new people go into the next compartment up while they still stay next to the zombie compartment. And I'm like, there's no way anybody's staying next to the zombie compartment. Yeah, so basically the, the movie, they're moving up compartment up ahead, forward, and forward as as quickly as possible to safety at the front of the train. And like Anthony said, they escape the zombie compartment, enter a compartment that's empty, and then ahead of them is the survivors at the front of the train. Yeah. But they won't let them in, then they do and then they're like, oh, they're infected. We don't want them here. And they let them go ahead of them in the compartment forward. Closer to the nose. Which is yeah. empty of zombies and anyone. That's really the safest place. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I, when I watched the movie, I'm like, no, why are you? You would obviously be like, okay, you guys stay next to the zombie compartment. We'll go into the next compartment up. That would have been the realistic choice. I agree. That's my one con to the movie because yeah. that's exactly what would make sense is like, No, we're going to get further away from the zombies. You guys can stay closer to the zombies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, and I thought that they were just going to throw them off the train or something. Yeah. And then there's, I also, I, the, the, the asshole guy. He kills so many people and it drives me nuts. I'm like, this guy is just getting everybody killed, protecting himself, and it's driving me crazy. Which guy? The bad, the asshole. At the 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 business guy. Well, who, no, that's he, part of the character, though. I know, but it's just like, it infuriates me because so many innocent people get killed because exactly. of him. Exactly. Yeah, I know. He's supposed to infuriate you. I know I, I know. I think that's a great part of his character. No, yeah. You're right. Is yeah. He's constantly using people's lives to save his own. He throws people in front of the zombies. It makes my times. blood boil. He's, he's supposed <laughs> to. You're supposed to hate him. But oh my, my So that's my first... Con is the compartment shift where they make them go further away from the zombies when it yeah. that really doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And then, my one other con to it, which it's minimal, is so the three surviving guys as they're moving up the train compartments the one, the main uh, trio. Seng yeah. Hua, uh-huh. he's the big guy with the who punches everyone, punches mm. the zombies, throwing a punch and hitting somebody in the face, you hitting their teeth, it really fucking hurts. And sure, I'm sure he's a tough guy. And can take a couple punches off, fa- like he can punch a few people bare knuckle, yeah. no problem. But I mean, he's not a bare knuckle boxer, so there's no way his hands aren't breaking pretty quickly, as well as getting infected from his fingers and hands get or knuckles getting bloodied and cut open, and then zombie blood mixing with his, which because they're covered in blood as well. So that's my second con to the movie, which is why I don't give it five stars because of the compartment thing and because of the-, the punching, which I love the punching, but. I think it would have made so much more sense if he wrapped his hands with tape or something. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's the mixing of the blood. It's, it's bites which cause it. However, I, it still should be had. He should still get infected because when yeah, he, he's punching when, them in the mouth. When you punch the people in the mouth, you're, you're, if you do as much as he does, you're you're going to hit some their teeth. And saliva. is yeah, everywhere. So I totally agree. I think whenever I see the movie, I'm like, he should have wrapped up, t- taped up his hands. Maybe they could have found like baseball tape the kid had for a grip. Yeah, or just a towel. Yeah, or a towel. So it looks great but it's badass as hell. But it, when you I mean we have we know that world a little bit and you know that when you hit someone first of all it hurts your hand a lot that's and then it, yeah, and why also, also you're going to be hitting you're going to be hitting teeth if you're punching people in the face in the mouth and jaw and stuff. You're going to hit teeth. And I love the character. Th- but those are just my two reasons why I don't give this a 5-star it, rating. It's almost that's yeah, otherwise it's a perfect movie. It really is. It, those are the things that keep it from being really a 10 out of 10. But it's a 9 out of 10. Otherwise, the movie is in, like one of the best zombie movies ever made. Sensational. It's yeah. up there with 28 Days Later, and I don't care if anyone doesn't think 28 Days Later is a zombie movie. To me, it is. You're the only person who doesn't. <laughs> who says that? No, people come after us all the time. Okay. Every uh-huh. time we make a comment about, or a video about 28 Days Later being a zombie movie, we get a bunch of... Hey, guys, leave James alone. Hey, James specifically, you idiot. <laughs> you moron. It's not a zombie movie. It's a virus movie. <laughs> All right, moving on to Saw. We finished up The Watch Party with Saw, which came out in 2004. I gave God, I feel so old. Yeah, directed by James Wan. I gave it three and a half stars. Now, this movie is awesome. It has a lot of amazing moments. It's got some really brilliant parts to the story. You gave it three and a half? Three and a half. Me too. Amazing setup. Really cool stakes. The gore is awesome. And then a fantastic ending. However, the action scenes are terrible. Really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the the gun back and forth in the bedroom with the. Oh wife my god! And the it's and so bad. The other guy. So this movie it walks the line between uh, horrifically brilliant and then laughably bad. It just walks that line, and it's just like there are moments where you're like, "This movie's awesome," then there are moments where you're like, "Oh my god, this is so bad." And also, Cary Elwes can't hold. He can't do an American accent in this movie. He dropped that accent after the first day of filming. He might as well have tossed a cheerio in there, yeah. might. Like he was, he, half of his di- dialogue was English, yeah. British. <laughs> it was half of it was British. He, we kept laughing every time he dropped it. The makeup on him is really bad too. Yeah. It's like he looks like he's going out for Halloween trick or treating because they make him look very pale with the brown cheeks to so look at like like his cheeks are hollowed out or he's looking very yeah. sickly. It just doesn't look that good. Yeah, but I mean. There's some really great moments to Saw, and there's a reason why it became a sensation and created a franchise. But oh my god, the action scenes, the chase scenes, anything physical—it's just—it's bad. It's, yeah, it's like it's like you're watching an, an action scene in C- CSI. Yeah, but it's a brilliant concept. It yeah. really is, and I think James Wan's a great director. And you know, clearly they did something right here with Saw because people loved it. And I like this is my favorite Saw movie, especially because the gore is so minimal. You know, it's more of the idea of things that happen. We don't really see that much gore. Even the guy who's escaping the razor field, it's only a few seconds of him crawling through it, but we don't get, like, close-ups of his skin getting cut open or and anything it's like up. that. Yeah, and yeah. so they do a great job of... It's a, a movie about gore porn, kind of, but it's just minimal. And I forgot how little gore there actually is in Saw compared to the sequels. Yeah, I actually I haven't seen enough Saw movies to rank them. I've only seen three. Saw three. Was the last one I watched, and I remember that was just gross as hell, man. I think that was the last one I watched, It was gross, man. I couldn't get through it, really. All right, next up, after the watch party. Well, that was the last movie I I watched, besides putting Dune in in, Harry Potter (laughs) on the background during editing. (laughs) I watched Upgrade, uh, directed by Lee Wannell, who actually wrote Saw, and is one of the actors in Saw. He's the other guy who's chained up. Um, I've been meaning to watch this for a while, because a lot of people recommend it, and it gets a lot of love online. It's a solid action movie. I gave it three and a half stars. It wasn't quite as good as I was expecting from the hype I've seen online. Like people say this is like one of the best action movies made recently. It's it's really good. It's solid. It's about a guy who gets paralyzed from an accident um, in an attack by apparent robbers. And then he's friends with a genius billionaire inventor who gives him this nano chip technology chip to put on his spine to give him the ability to walk again. And then um, the computer... Inside of the chip actually helps; he controls his body whenever he wants it to, and also speaks to him. Uh, it's called STEM, so they have a constant d- running dialogue. And STEM, uh, when he's in a c- confrontation, can use his body how to defend himself from anyone and to kill anyone. Um, I guess the I guess the villain um, within five within ten minutes. Um, so that kind of took me out of it. I guessed it correctly because uh, it just seemed kind of obvious. Um, but then also uh the casting is a little off so the the billionaire it's like this billionaire this des- um software engineer designer who's created like a a tech empire um but he does all like the coding and stuff but he's played by like a 10 out of 10 like a male model and it's like th- this guy shouldn't be a male model he should not be this attractive and so that took me out of it immediately like they should cast someone who looks like the the founder of ethereum <laughs> like that's who the guy is you know what I mean? Not, not a fucking male model. You know what I mean? So that's, that was a problem I had with the film. You know, it was The action scenes are good. Um, it's pretty entertaining, but it wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. The trailer seemed, made it seem like it was like a really fun action movie. Um, c- not quite as fun as, a, as I was expecting, and a little bit slow, actually. Um, but um, I really like Logan Marshall Green. I think he's a really talented actor, and he, he carries the film. Uh, excellent physical performance in this. But, uh, yeah, 7 out of 10. Then I watched Spectre uh, and prepped for our Daniel Craig Bond episode, and I gave it three and a half stars and wrote, damn, this film looks good, but never quite works. Um, Beautiful production, really impressive sets, um, stunt work, action. uh, Everything about the film is just beautiful. However, it's got an empty interior, and a terrible villain in Christoph Waltz's Blofeld, uh, basically a strange interpretation of the famous character from Bomb and Lore. And you'll hear about it more in our Bond episode. It just failed, and I I think that they were planning for this to be Craig's final film, but then since it came out so poorly, they were like, oh, we should probably do another one so I don't end on such a bo- low note. Yeah, true. Plus they quartered the hell out of him. I think it, what he wanted to be his last Bond. It film. has an app because it has a happy ending. I think he wanted to end because the then remember after this movie came out, they spent like a year like, will will he be? We'll returning? give you we'll yeah. give you a hundred million dollars, Daniel Craig. Please come back. And I think that they were like, we need to, we need to finish on a high note Yeah, with um, No Time to Die. And then I watched Poltergeist, which came out in 1982, directed by Toby Hooper, and produced and kind of co-directed by Steven Spielberg. Gave it four and a half stars, and I wrote, an all-timer. So many films have borrowed from br- the brilliance of this iconic classic. This film is just a standout of practical visual effects and practical ve- special effects. I love the movie. It's really funny. It's all it's also really scary and fucked up like there's some crazy yeah, shit that happens in this movie real skeletons like real skeletons like the kid almost getting eaten alive by the tree um the the poltergeist itself is scary when it's finally revealed and it's got great acting a uh, really really terrific performances from the cast especially the parents the carry par- it, yeah, yeah Craig T. Nelson and then uh, Joe Beth Williams are really amazing as the freeling couple um, and they carry the movie Um, The kids are good, too, um, in their roles. But this is all about, you know, a great score by Jerry Goldsmith, um, Ridley Scott's composer. And there's incredible practical and visual effects for the time. Really, really great film. And then my last film this week was A Fish Called Wanda, which is a a fun crime comedy that I've been meaning to watch for a while. It stars (laughs) a great cast, Kevin Kline, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Cleese. And they're basically... uh, there's four people who are committing a diamond robbery, and then Jamie Lee Curtis has to uh, seduce a lawyer to find out where the jewels are. Uh, it's really funny. Kevin Klein won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for this film, and he's, it's one of the, the best comedic performances I've ever seen. He just Every time he's on screen, it's just the movie comes to life. Uh, but he and Jamie Lee Curtis are really fantastic. Their chemistry is amazing together. It's a really fun caper, crime, comedy... Really goofy and silly, doesn't take itself too seriously. And it's just like a fun little time. It's a 90-minute movie. It's a really, really funny movie. So I highly recommend anyone who's who likes like the crime comedy genre. Fish Called Wanda came out in 1988. Fish Called Wanda. Is that yeah. the end of your watches? That's it. All right. Well, Anthony you wrapped up with 27 movies he watched this week. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot to talk about. So it was so fun. And thanks to everyone who joined us on that Twitch stream-a-thon. We watched 12 hours of horror with everybody, and we'll do another Twitch soon. It was a great test run. And for episodes this past week, if you haven't tuned in yet, we dropped a huge episode with James and Fuhad from Shits in Gigs Podcast. They are a massive show. They're from the UK. They're doing an American tour, just guesting on a bunch of shows over the next week or so. And it was just so fun to have them in studio. They're huge fans of ours. We're huge fans of theirs. We've been friends with them for a couple of years now. It was really cool to get to meet them. And it was a hysterical episode. You won't stop laughing from start to finish. And they're just really interesting, nice, and funny guys. As well as we did an episode on Halloween. The 1978 one. classic from John Carpenter, which dropped on Monday. This upcoming Monday is November 6th. And so we made an episode on V for Vendetta. <laughs> Since it's the day after the 5th of November. We couldn't skip movie news. Yeah, movie news has to be on Sundays. So we're dropping that on Monday. You don't miss that. It is an absolute banger. V for Vendetta. Do your homework. And I'm telling you, it's more relevant than ever. And we analyze the hell out of it. We adore that film. And then get excited for our Daniel Craig era of James Bond movies episode on Wednesday. Nothing but hits. Nothing but hits. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, if you want the ad-free experience of Raiders of the Lost Podcast, go to patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast and sign up in the minimum minimum $5 tier to get access to ad-free episodes as well as two weekly bonus episodes every week. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Leave those five-star ratings on Spotify and Apple. Share this show with everybody. You know it's the best way for a podcast to grow. We are trying to go to the moon. Anthony needs his Trader Joe's. Juno Gino, Gino needs his Meow Mix. Thank you so much for everybody for tuning in. See you next time. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.